Hey dreamers, I'm Joe Pardo, and oh, I just startled Ava, I think, a little bit there. Uh, <laughs> I'm Joe Pardo, and this is, of course, the Dreamers Podcast. Uh, of course, always, I got Matt with your, with, with him, with me, with Ava, with Matt, with, with Joe, you, everybody, everybody in the studio here, um, here <laughs> for the Dreamers Podcast pre-show. Matt, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, I just got done celebrating my dad's 60th birthday, which... Oh, uh, man, it was his 60th birthday? 60th birthday. I was wondering I why everybody was making a big deal about, <laughs> about it. So, it was a lot of fun. A lot of my relatives drove in from New York and some other places, and uh, we had a great time. I had barbecue, a lot of good conversations. I actually saw a couple of relatives that hardly ever come out. And, and in fact, one of them works, uh, not works, but lives not that far from where I work. And uh, I think I might even stop and see him in, uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks, you know, because it'd be a good, uh, good chance to catch up with him. And, you know, with so many people there, you only have so much. It's like working a crowd. You, you <laughs> talk to this end for two minutes and like, oh, now I'm going to go over here and talk to this person. So it was a whole thing. But it was a great time. Everybody had fun. And, um, yeah, so it all worked out. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I'm sorry I wasn't able to make it. We had uh, we had uh, a different party to attend, and then we also had uh, Ava, of course, um, being watched. And then uh, we actually ended up using some of that time to go to Target, so oh, really? we could get a couple things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it was like a real parent moment. That was <laughs> like, oh, we have a babysitter for like four hours. We gotta <laughs> jump on this and go to target case of emergency break glass there's like a little list part you know pops out <laughs> <laughs> of things that you need to go buy at target exactly yes or well really really any store but um but yeah so uh that's awesome uh I'm glad you had a had a good time and glad you were able to be there given that you usually work saturdays well i do and i you know so i got there a little bit late but uh still you know I, I had a great time. I wish I could have been there longer. And I thought people were going to be staying over, which they didn't uh, wind up doing that. But still, we made the most of the time we had. Uh, yeah. So this week on Dreamers Podcast, uh, I have an interview with Paul uh, Cuisineau. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, French-Canadian name, Cuisineau, who was of the uh, Spiritual Voice Podcast. Really great show. Got to be on it a little while back. Um, had a great time. It, you should go, you should go listen to it. If you go to superjoepardo.com slash, uh, interviews, I think it is. I think that's the address. Um, you can, you can go back and listen to, to the episode I was on his show and now he's on the dreamers podcast and he, it'll be later on in this episode. Of course, Matt, we are, you know, it's Monday, uh, episode, this episode comes out on Tuesday mornings at 8am and we are of course live streaming the pre-show on uh, Facebook Live. So if you're not following me on Facebook, it's facebook.com uh, forward slash Pardo Joe, all one word. Uh, just hit that follow button and then you can go scroll down to this video. Um, you know, we're one of my, my Facebook live streams and click the, um, the subscribe the subscribe button. I think it's just like live subscribe or something like that. Anyway, it's in the video. It's in like the top right hand corner of this video. Uh, I'd point, but I don't want to, uh, or I think it'd be like this way. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't flip the video on me. <sighs> so yeah. So follow me on, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Pardo Joe. Uh, the other thing that we got to talk about is the, the two year anniversary of dreamers podcast coming up uh, very, very soon, actually. Um, 
when is it? Uh, May 20th, Friday, May 20th. We're celebrating here. Uh, we'll, we'll be on, we should be on Facebook Live. We'll be on Blab. Uh, if you go to superjoepardo.com slash live, that's where you can get all the information. Uh, there will be the live feed will be there from Blab. We'll be having people call, you know, you'll be able to call in right on Blab. We'll have people here in the studio. Uh, I'm not 100% certain, but I'm pretty sure that Rich Quick will be here in the studio performing at some point throughout the night. It's 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be raising money for Give Kids the World. They are a wonderful organization um, that takes, you know, uh, children with life-threatening illnesses and uh, they take them and their family down to Disney World in Orlando, and they get to, they they get to go to um, uh, the Disney World and Universal and Sea World for a week, and they get to just be kids, and that's that's really you know I, what more could you ask for? Um, so last year in two hours, and I didn't even realize this, Matt, but last year we only did the live show for a little. I think it was like two hours and twenty minutes or something to that effect. And we raised $600 in just over two hours for Give Kids the World. Now, this year, we're going to do three hours, and we're going to do more games, more minute-to-win-it games. And for every minute-to-win-it-game, I'm personally donating $10 that, you know, for every completed minute-to-win-it game. So, if you know, you want to join in, you go to superjoeparter.com slash live. You get the Blab link there. You can watch it there. Or you can jump in and call in and uh, you know compete for my money, <laughs> for my for my approval and my love Win and Joe's my ten dollars. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we'll you know we'll, so we'll be donating to give kids the world that way. So uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, like I said, we have a, a bunch of surprises, old guests or pre old guests, previous guests, not old guests. Uh, of the Dreamers podcast, like I said, uh, probably a performance by Rich Quick. He performed last year. Uh, it was a lot of fun getting to see him, and he's just off of his um, his tour in the UK. So it's it's good to uh, good to get to get to him back in the studio to talk about how, that experience. So looking really looking forward to that. So yeah, that's May twentieth. Make sure you uh, check it out. So. Uh, you know, Matt, so last week when you were here, we were going over some names for my third book, third book in, in what, uh, it'll be third book in less than two years. And I, I think that what my book is, my third book is going to be about, it's going to be a business book, right? Based on, uh, the, 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 the science of processes for business, right? So we all like work in our businesses or even our own jobs, right? And, you know, we're, we're too close to the situation. We think that we, we have the best, you know, we're doing it the best, that, the best way that we know possible, the best way that we're aware can exist. But the thing is, is there's always a better way. So I want to write a book that basically talks about how we can take those, you know, take these core philosophies when it comes to building processes that I've built in uh, my family's you know business that was highly successful and, and very um, lucrative and take those process take those core values and found the foundations of those and apply them so that and it's going to be a challenge for me too because I want to make it so that it's broad enough but yet specific enough to actually be helpful but broad enough to f- apply it in maybe even more business you know more than just business ways. So, uh, 
so I don't have an official name for the book, but Matt and I, and I don't want to necessarily give it away, but Matt and I sat down and uh, he helped me hash out some names for this book. And I, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to, to putting those fingers to keys, as, as they say. Yeah, if, if any of those potential titles or anything to go by, it's going to be an exciting book. I mean, we spent quite a bit of time trying to hash out a, uh, you know, a catchy title, but also informative. It's it's uh, tough to get that, that perfect combination of, you know, because most people's attention span are going to look at it, and if it's not good enough, they're just going to scroll right down to the next book in the list. So, you know, we, we went back and forth, and... Joe's big thing was that he didn't want anything that came off as uh, as negative. Nothing would say, well, you're doing it wrong, and here's why. It's just, here's a way that is proven to be successful and draws from my, you know, his personal experience and is easy to follow. And something that you can apply not to just business, but also your, just your day-to-day life, you know, personal life, social life, what have you. And I'm excited because, I mean, Joe's last two books are great, and I think that with each successive book – He's managed to build on, you know, what came before and as an author, you know, better refine his material. It's, it just continues to, to grow as, as Joe grows, as he, you know, does this podcast and, you know, follows his other endeavors. Yeah. Well, thank you um, for the compliments, Matt. I, it's, it's definitely, um, I, you know, I definitely want it to be a, a book that pops and a book that, um, you know, really, really makes a statement, right? My first two books uh, you know, with 31 life changing concepts, it was more of like, here's Joe in book form, <laughs> you know, uh, something out of the mind of Joe, if you, if you will. And, and with the second book, how to dream big and win, it was all about like, how do I, uh, basically take this talk that I've put together over the course of like a year and turn that into a book and expand upon it with my own experiences, not just things that I've read, not just things, you know, the culmination of like, what's worked for me um to get to where i am at at this point and it's funny that the things that i did um and i've done more than just the, the like the last big accomplishment that i had at the company before i departed um so and a lot of it involves you know bringing technology into into play and doing the research to find something else, to find a better way of doing, you know, doing what you're already doing, because what you think you're doing the best at is probably not necessarily the best way to do it. It's just the way that you know and the way that you feel is the best way to do it because you've been doing it so long. It doesn't make it wrong, but I want people to be able to take themselves out of a out of the business, right? It's like everybody's like, oh, you're working in your business or you're working on your business. And you really want to be working on your business unless you have to be working in your business. When it comes to building those processes, that's what those things are. Like you're trying to get it so that you things are automated. Um, things are, if, if, if something doesn't fit the mold of like one of the processes that you already have in place, that's fine. You need a process to handle those things. That's like, there needs to be protocol that's like, okay, well, we need to get, you know, it's just it's like, oh, well, this doesn't fit into anything that's already, you know, we've already defined. So we'll just throw it into a folder and then the folder gets just kind of locked away in a, in a, in a drawer with other folders of things that we don't know what, what to do with. You know, there has to be a protocol to, uh, to make that stuff work. And that's really what, you know, what I want to touch on with the book and, and really drive home. And I, uh, I feel 
like I can really help a lot of people in that re- respect when it comes to their businesses and not just with that, but also with their own lives, you know, if it, you, cause you can apply, uh, take what I'm talking about and apply it to the things that you do on a regular basis. So that's, that's really the goal with this book. And, uh, yeah, so that's, it, it, you know, it took a little while to come up with where I wanted to head in, in the next direction. And, and I think that that is a solid thing that I could talk about and, and, really help people with so i'm glad that i finally landed on it that's for sure yeah i think it's great you know the fact that you managed to crank out three books in two years is uh it's pretty impressive especially considering your your schedule i mean you're always so busy yeah yeah it's it's tough man um but you know i i really want to um Maybe, you know, I'd like to get at least two books done this year, hmm. but I also have the card game that I've been building that I've been That's teasing true. about. And, uh, it's sitting here on my desk and, 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 and after, you know, play testing it in my mind, I, I really need to, um, start investing some energy in getting that done. Cause that's going to be like way harder and longer of a process than writing a third book. That's for sure. So, uh, so yeah, look forward to both a game and a third book. I don't, I'm hoping for this year, but we'll see because I still have the conference in September. have some other big things coming up too, uh, including some speaking engagements and stuff like that that I'm working on. So it's, it's definitely uh, – there's a lot, <laughs> a lot going on on that front. Uh, so spe- speaking, <laughs> speaking of speaking engagements, uh, for anybody who didn't see, I'm speaking at the Kittypreneur Weekend uh in freehold new jersey it's uh let me see here where is it at it is june 10th to the 12th and i'm specifically speaking on june 12th so if you go to what's the website here because they have like two websites for tickets you go to kittypreneur like entrepreneur uh dot com or you can send an email to info at just for you just and then the number four the letter u expo.com yeah so that you know so that's where you get your tickets at kittypreneur.com uh it's actually one of the one of the guest speakers is uh, a lady who has been on tyler uh tyler Perry's um house of pain and she's also on the real housewives of atlanta which is pretty cool um that you know that's that i'll be speaking alongside uh her and a whole bunch of other people and they're actually going to be doing their own mock shark tank there oh really yeah yeah with uh i think the kids have like 30 seconds to pitch uh pitch their ideas to to a panel of uh investors well, that'll be interesting to see what they come up with because it seems like these days you know i see more and more um you know, like the younger generation going out there and coming up with innovative ideas, and yeah, what was the name of that uh, that that young chef uh, you interviewed? Michael was it? Or... Oh no, it was Andrew. Andrew, Ooh, that's it. I hit the mic. Uh, Andrew Zappley. It was actually a picture of him. I, I thought that there. was impressive. You know, that, that at that age, he's already you know like learned so much about cooking. I was like, wow. I mean, an accomplished chef. Yeah, yeah it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's amazing what you can do with some motivation. But yeah, motivation and time and and uh, yeah, definitely. So. Um, as well as Logan, um, Logan Guloff, uh, from C- he won season two of Master Chef Junior, hmm. has been on the show as well. So yeah, I, I think that there's a huge amount of 
uh, possibility there for when when uh, it comes to kids doing something, especially with the you know YouTube and, and Google and being able to like basically supercharge your learning. Um, I think it's it's really important that kids are able to to have access to that and and they can find their passion so much quicker and get so much more accomplished uh, than we were would have been just 15 years ago. <laughs> I think too at that age, kids haven't run to that. It's more of an adult mindset where it's here's all the reasons why something can't be done. It's just like, hey, here's the thing I want to do. I have no idea why it couldn't be done, so I'm not even gonna think think about that. I'm just gonna think about what I need to do to get this accomplished or created. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. Well, I like we talked about the other day. Like, you can't just you know sit there and spitball on a Sunday afternoon about how things aren't gonna work. Right. You need to like actually sit down and figure out what it is that can make it work. And then figure out the questions that you need answered and the problems that you have to solve and then start researching each of those. And that stuff, you know, that can take time. Research and development can take years to, like, get the answers or create solutions that didn't exist before for these problems that might not have existed before. Right. Before you started to do the research to try to be like, oh, I'm going to come up with this solution. You come up with five problems along with that solution and then you got to find, you know, find a solution for those problems. And you come up with five more problems for each of those. And it's like, it's a process of digging in a hole and then digging out, you know, into another hole and another hole and another hole. And then digging your way back out and up until you have a, a connected solution um, that, you know, solves the issue that you were trying to originally solve. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, check that out. Um, t- tickets are on sale. I think they're, I think it's like a hundred dollars or 80 bucks or something for the whole weekend. And, uh, definitely a lot to be learned if you have a, have a kid that would, you know, is looking to be an entrepreneur and, and have inventions made or something to that effect. Um, so let's see, what's the, so, uh, you know, one thing I've learned Matt. what with having this, uh, this little girl here who gets to sleep whenever she wants to sleep. Uh, like right now here in my arms uh, is, you know, before she was born, I, I've, I've worked, been able to work on very little sleep, right? Like some nights it's four hours, some nights it's five, sometimes it's six, seven, eight, but you know, it, it didn't bother me. Now I'm getting about the same amount of hours of sleep, but it bothers me. And the reason it bothers me is because I, I have been working I've been fortunate enough that since I'm, I've been working from home, I've been able to go to sleep when I want and then wake up when I want, which not – I mean I usually am up before 8 o'clock anyway. But the point is um, I was working on my own sleep cycles, right? So I, I would just go to sleep and then I'd wake up naturally rather than – you know, in the middle of the night, after I've only had like an hour of sleep, she starts crying and then I'm up and now I've woken up in the middle of a sleep cycle. Now for anybody who doesn't know, sleep cycles are running an hour and a half. Um, if you want to take like a power nap, it's suggested that it's like 20 minutes because it takes you 20 minutes just to start into like really get into that, that sleep cycle of an hour and a half. So it can take up to an hour and 50 minutes to get one full sleep cycle starting from zero, like starting from being fully awake. Um, and I, you know, I actually have an app and I've, I've promoted this app before on my, on the show called sleepy time, excuse me, sleepy dot or sleepy T I dot M E or something like that. 
where basically it's a calculator where it does that hour and a half splits. Um, it tells you like, Hey, if you're going to go to sleep right now, here's the hours that you should wake up. Like, you know, here's one sleep cycle, two, three, four. Now you could do the math in your head, but I mean, not all of us are math and magicians to, uh, to be really good at that. So, so the, yeah, I think the app's like a dollar or $2 or something like that, but it's been really, really good. I really love it. Um, and it's been great to, uh, be able to wake up on my own and I feel refreshed, even if it's only two sleep cycles versus I got about one and then I woke up in the middle of the second sleep cycle and now I'm groggy and too much stuff and too much time passes by that I can't go back to sleep. And it's been really tough for me to get this, you know, to get the work in that I need, like the creative work, the creative, the, the work that requires me to like really be thinking rather than just like, oh, it's busy work. I can like click, 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 click check a few things and then you know but even like things like responding to emails like if you're if you're grouchy right now i was just reading this article matt and you know you deal with a lot of email at your job right? oh yeah so so it it, it, it <laughs> they did this thing where it's like what's the best way <clears throat> what excuse me i'm already losing my voice what's the best way to respond to emails and basically, it goes back to what we were saying the other day about extremism. You don't want your email – you want it to be short and to the point, but you want it to be either super angry or super happy, like obnoxiously happy. If you fall into the middle, apparently there's like a void there where people don't – just become unresponsive to your emails. I, I never heard that before. I, I guess for me it's a little bit different in that. I mean, I do try and keep my email short to the point, definitely, because I don't. I figure if it's something where it's going to take several paragraphs to explain, I might as well just pick up the phone and call the person, because <laughs> otherwise I'm wasting more time trying to type it out. But yeah, no, I don't really think I put a, a really overly happy or overly negative spin on emails. Although the ones we tend to see <laughs> uh, do tend to fall into one of those two categories, depending on like. Well, you know, I talked to 500 people and they told me blah blah blah, and you know, and now I got to talk to you guys too. Oh, it makes me really upset. And like, you know, so there's a lot of that going on. But nah, I, I mean, for me, I'd say most of the ones that my group sends out tend to be just, you know, very pro professional. We keep it, you know, keep it professional, but also keep it keep it short. Unless it's someone that we happen to know or someone that you know we're on a pretty familiar basis with. Yeah, you'll, you'll you know, throw in some more personal details and a couple jokes here and there, but. Otherwise, there's so many coming in, you're just trying to kind of, kind of like knock them out, like an assembly line, essentially. It's like, all right, on to the next one. This one's in the works. You don't want, you don't want to keep anybody waiting, but at the same time, I just don't really feel the need to put too much thought into like how it sounds tone-wise, because a lot of that stuff is just inferred anyway. It's like a text message. You know, you can't say, I don't, you know, you're it's really... It's hard to read sarcasm. Yeah, right. Or you're really grumpy when you sent that text message. Well, there's no tone to it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, well, in your head there is, and well, that's that's the problem. You know, but people interpret it differently. I mean, if obviously you're reading a book, it's a lot easier within a couple sentences to describe uh, an emotion. But most text messages, you know, tend to be uh, or most <laughs> abbreviations anyway. So, you know, it's yeah. I think it really depends on the person's mind frame. And an email, I feel, is the same way. Like you could read any email as coming across as negative or sarcastic if that's where your head's at. Yeah, definitely. If you're in a bad mood, you're going to project that onto the yeah. person that's emailing you and everything that they Why say. Why don't you have a good weekend? Oh, oh okay. Uh. <laughs> um, so, 
so yeah, so it's been it's been really tough for me though to like really zone in and and power through the not just the lack of sleep, but the lack of like quality hours. To for me, it's just been it's been painful, very painful. Um, but this past weekend, uh, I did I did get like six hours worth of work in all at once, the way I like it which isn't very normal at this point. Um, though I have only just started working. I think last week was my first week of actually doing like regular work um, here in the studio. So, you know, it, which is good. Um, I'm, it, it feels good to get back. It feels good to get back into like the swing of things. And um, even though it's, I'm still like slowed down and tired. Um, I, I feel like I could power through this. I feel like I can, I'm going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it also is going to help once I, I actually right behind me, if you're watching on Facebook live, uh, actually you can't really see it, but if I move my head a little bit, you can see that I have an elliptical here in my office and I just finally, it's been broken for, uh, a while, but I was still using it. It was like every time you, you, you went around on the elliptical, it was like clunk, clunk, clunk. It was cause like there was a screw, a screw loose. Passersby could tell you were exercising. Yeah, put it out, yeah, outside by the street, people could tell I was exercising inside just just by the clunking going on. So uh, I went to Home Depot this morning and got a bolt. It took like five minutes. I put it in. Took like another five minutes. Should have did it a long time ago, but now it's smooth. It works fine. Uh, and then when it breaks again, I have a spare one because I had to buy a pack of two. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, what was I gonna say? The what I'm going to be trying to do is get back into you know doing the elliptical and running when it's a little bit nicer. It's been like really not nice out like the past while. Um, we get a couple days here and there, and then it gets back to being like really like just not nice out. So uh, looking forward to that. Um, not that I have any races planned in the near future, but you know. I'd like to be ready when I, when the time comes and I would love the extra energy rather than drinking coffee, which I don't drink. Do you, do you drink coffee, Matt? I don't drink coffee, but I drink other caffeine substitutes, you know, for example, energy drinks and, uh, yeah, no, just mainly energy drinks. I try and stay away from, you know, like consuming like donuts and some of the other sugar, some of the junk that's out there, but energy drinks, I mean, all that stuff, none of that stuff's good for you. Really, you should just be drinking water and that's pretty much it. We had a, discussion earlier about you know like orange juice and milk and just like just how bad that stuff is for you <laughs> oh yeah and we're, we're going to we're gonna yeah. get we're gonna get to that because uh the, one of the things i put out the other day was that marketing is a bunch of bull poop and it, it really 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 is and and apparently some a couple people on facebook were not too happy they were like uh hey i was a marketing major and and i get that that's that's cool um but marketing for the most part is is mostly poop so i i wanted to use one example and i i wasn't expecting to have ava here in my arms but um so i i, I don't i'm not going to go get the boxes and and all that but uh, one example of this was uh the fact that you know matt which if in your opinion right if you have uh two boxes of cereal in front of you and one is like Honey Nut Cheerios. And the other one is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Well, first off, which one's more delicious? <laughs> I'd have to go with Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, yeah. I agree. And even with all of the 
the the the recipe changes over the years that one has actually stayed very very good unlike most cereals from our childhood that got really not good yeah you know once they changed their their recipes to less sugar and and all this but but i you know i'm not even talking about from like the aspect of you know healthiness right like i that's a topic for another day um i'm not like a health coach or advisor or anything like that so you know you can make up your own mind on that but my point is is that they spend a ton of marketing on these types of cereals to make you think that even the ones that are like clearly it's like 90 percent marshmallow <laughs> it's still good for you right wait so you're saying they're not part of a balanced breakfast oh well i mean bre- i don't even know what breakfast is supposed to look like because like everything we eat for breakfast is pretty much horrible for us. I'm pretty sure it's not supposed to consist of large amounts of sugar, but with either of those cereals that you mentioned, that's basically what you're getting. Yeah, so so it's okay. So it, it, the thing is, what I'm challenging people to to do is go and and just look at your the sugar content of what it is that you're eating, right? So like, you take those two cereals. Which one do you think has more sugar in it? I would say cinnamon toast crunch. I just I right because it tastes it tastes better. I feel like that's the wrong answer, but <laughs> it, it, it is the, the the right answer is they both have the same exact amount of sugar in it. Really, both nine grams per three quarter cup of of cereal. Now I don't know about you, but I'm not measuring my cereal. Uh, no, can't say I ever have, unless the measurement goes by bowl. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. And I'm sure that three quarter cup is not as much, is not nearly as much as you think it is. Mm-mm. Uh, cause it's not. So, so my point is, is you have these, these two cereals. One is like, it's heart healthy, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, it still has the same amount of sugar as the one that's not meant for kids or the one that is meant for kids, you know, quote unquote kids. Not to say that I don't have cinnamon toast crunch in my cupboard because I do. Um, and, and again, I'm not debating the nutritional, uh, aspect of it or anything like that. But when it comes to milk, right? Like they've spent a ton of money in marketing to be like, got milk, milk. It does a body good, blah, blah, blah. Milk, you know, makes you shoot rainbows out of your mouth or something. <laughs> you know, they, they spend all this money. And, and at the end of the day, has anybody, and I challenge you to go look at your milk carton, you know, or, or plastic container, because carton, I should just say glass of milk or uh, the bottles of milk uh, <laughs> from the old days. Look at the, the sugar content. It's got 12 grams of sugar inside your milk per eight fluid ounces now most cups are like 16 right or like 12 12 to 16 so if you fill up a full glass of milk right off the bat you're you're getting like upwards of 16 grams of sugar just in that one glass yeah but it doesn't go out of good matt it doesn't body good well combined with the you know like the the bad carbs you're getting from the cereal that's just you know producing fat not the good kind of fat, so it's really not doing the body any good. So, so okay. So, the, if you look at the um, the health side of things, like I, I you know, I, I want to stay away from it. Okay. But at the same time, like the World Health Organization 
suggest take a guess at how much sugar they suggest you should intake a day mm. and it's lo- it's been it's actually was lowered not that long ago i would think like uh what four grams is that oh no no that's it's too way high. higher than that really oh, okay yeah it's way higher than that mm. uh let's say 12 okay no wrong so if you're apparently if you're a woman of and I you, I don't have the number the weight like your the weight size in front of me oh wait you know what here it is right here let me just click over here I gotta switch hands um the maximum amount that you should be eating a day as a man would be thirty seven point five grams now now here in America right we don't we don't even know what grams like what is a gram right. That's a hell of a lot of sugar. <laughs> I mean, come on. Let's, well, let's be 37.5 is it is and it isn't. Um so or that's it's 9 teaspoons, right? For women, they're saying 25 grams or 6 teaspoons. Hmm. So, let's just you just take that 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 breakfast example, right? And you look at that and you're like, "Okay, so let's just say you had two cups of cereal cuz I, I didn't actually pour it out into a thing and, and, and measure it. But so you're at 18 grams plus like around 12. So what, what, I'm not a math magician. Help me out here. Is that, is that 30 or 40? 18 plus 12. Oh, so, so zero. 30. That's 30. Well, if you're a woman, then you're already five grams over your, your daily intake of sugar for the day. Mm. Just in having that that breakfast, uh, a one you know a bowl of cereal with with maybe a, mil- a side of milk, right? And that doesn't include if you had chocolate milk like this guy over here, <laughs> like this guy. So, um, so I, yeah, so it, that's a lot. But my again, not trying to drive home the whole health aspect of it. More so about the whole um, the whole like uh, the, the marketing point marketing of view. is misleading. Yeah. Oh, do you know another great example is this, those um those little snack packs. Like I'm sure you you, you know you've given them to uh, the to your niece. The hundred calorie snack packs. Yeah, it's a hundred calories. But here's the thing, there's enough sugar in that that if you had two snack, you know, two little snack packs, fruit snacks. Sorry, thanks, thank you, Melissa. Uh, uh, two fruit snack packs, you just ate a whole Starburst pack. Mm. Well, there's definitely enough sugar in there to get them wired up because I'll, I'll say she goes from like, oh, I'm tired after school to like shot out of a cannon after eating one of those uh, 100 calorie snack packs. But the thing is, is they promote them as, oh, well, they got all these vitamins and nutrients <laughs> in them, right? And the thing is, is, yeah, they might, but here's the, 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 the truth of the matter is, is they don't need all those extra nutrients because as long as they're eating a balanced diet, all you're really giving them is a shot of sugar, like in the arm. Right, yeah. Ideally, if they were eating a balanced diet, they'd be getting all these nutrients anyway, therefore negating the need for Even vitamins. And... close to a balanced diet. Like, right. nobody's perfect, but as long as you're not, like, eating cardboard for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, <laughs> you're probably getting some kind of nutrients, even from these things that, that are giving you extra nutrients, which in some cases can be worse for you. So, again, not trying to drive that whole health aspect home, though I want, you know, dreamers and, and everybody to, to be as healthy as we can. We're not perfect. You know, look, I just told you I had cinnamon toast crunch in, in the in the cupboard. It, it's fine. Um, you know, it's all about moderation, whatever. But my point is, is the marketing it tells you 
that this is just like an apple a day. Oh, it keeps the doctor away. But the thing is, you know who made that up? The apple industry. Yeah, the apple industry. There you go. I mean, so, so right now, like to to fight that marketing aspect, right? They're actually um, lobbying, constantly lobbying to not change the nutrition labels on the back of products. Not that anybody's really reading them anyway. I mean, if somebody is dieting, that's something you have to pay very close attention you to. You should. You should. Because even those things that you're like, oh, it's just like chicken and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, it's yeah. chicken with a ton of sodium right. and a ton of sugar, like laced in sugar. Um, the reason uh, I wait, crap. What was I, what was I going with this? You're saying that, you know, the companies behind these products are lobbying not to... Oh, change the labels, right? right. Thank you, Matt. And I, I appreciate you uh, picking up what I'm putting down. Is uh, So, because they want to change the label to show how much sugar is added to each product that you're buying, right? Because it's like, oh, orange juice. Yeah, oranges have, like, natural sugar. And it's like, no, they are, like, pumping sugar in that by the fistful because you to get that taste of like, Oh, that's what orange is supposed to taste like, but it's not go make real orange juice. It's not easy. I hate peeling stuff. Yeah, I've done it. It tastes great, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. You take a bite of an orange and compare it to a, a glass of orange juice. It's nowhere near as sweet. As... Right. And the reason is, and for anyone who doesn't know is because they need orange juice to stay, have a shelf life. In order to do that, they remove the oxygen. So they remove the oxygen from the app, you know, from the oranges, and then they have to pump a chemical into it to make it taste like orange, <laughs> orange again. Uh, and then they add sugar to pump up that taste. So Florida's natural, whatever. No, it, it's all it's all marketing poop. It, it just makes you feel good inside, but it, it doesn't. Um, and the whole vitamin C thing is a bunch of malarkey too, because you already get a ton of vitamin C and a lot of other things that you're, you're eating. Um, and there's actually no proof that that actually stops you from being sick. Or, you know, with like diet soda, it's like, oh, well it's diet soda. So it's not as bad for me. It's just as bad because your body can't tell the difference. It's going to produce the same amount of fat. Cause it's like, seems like sugar to me. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and it does. And, um, who was it? Somebody, I saw a quote saying something like, I've never seen a skinny person drinking diet soda. Um, I mean, I applaud anybody making an effort to diet and lose weight, but you really got to be careful because there's so many misleading. It's low fat or it's diet this or it's 100 cal. It's not. You really got to take a look at those labels because they are the marketing, as you said, is so misleading. You know, it's it's all garbage. <laughs> it is, it is, and it's a shame because you know, like we, look, Matt, you and I grew up in the time where marketing and uh, commercialism was just starting to really take off, right, to a level of like no coming back that we hadn't seen in the fifties and the sixties and the seventies, like in the eighties, the you know the the decade of more and and excess excessive. So, you know this really like we we were just getting in the beginning of it and and we we now like we ha like we have these these fruit snacks everything's easier everything's supposed and, and even the word organic doesn't mean anything i like we got organic milk the other day and that had just as much sugar in it as as normal milk yeah because you can literally pretty much label anything organic because there's really no set definition for it right but well the, you know what the definition is 
sell it for more. <laughs> it sells for more money. So again, it all goes back into marketing, and that's and that's just one example, right? Like again, I don't want to harp on the whole health thing because I'm not the, I'm not that guy. I mean, I do run races, but I'm doing that so I can eat more ice cream and so that I can. <laughs> Uh, enjoy life a bit outside of that. Hey, at least you're honest, right? Yeah, I, look, I'm not. I'm not a health nut by any any stretch. Um, clearly, I yeah, <laughs> the physique of a non uh, health nut for sure. But you know, when it comes to when it comes to marketing with food, uh, you, you know, you really even checking the labels is enough. Like I said, because they they're lobbying to stop them. To stop the FDA from changing the labels to show you how much sugar they have to add to that apple, or not to that apple, but to like that apple juice, or that you know, it's like, oh, it's got natural sugar in it. Like, no, it it does, but not like to the level that you're drinking it, or the level that they're pumping into it, and they want to keep that from you because they want you to get that. It doesn't feel friendly and happy and give you the fuzzies if they're like, oh yeah, we we pumped in like. 10 grams of that 11 grams of sugar per eight fluid ounces. Right. It's like, Oh, what, what, wait, what, what am I, what am I drinking? What would this taste like if it didn't have any sugar in it added at all? And there's always ways around that, right? Like the, the whole labeling of like, um, the whole labeling of, of like, Oh, you know, even the ones that say no sugar added, there's there's ways around that by using other chemicals that aren't considered quote unquote sugar but are sugar to make it sound like they're you know your body can't tell the difference with sugar so there's there's always ways around it they're always looking for ways around it and they're always looking for ways to market it to you the consumer that you know this is the best thing for you yeah you can't avoid every you know negative bit of uh, marketing out there but if you take the time to do some research and and purchase carefully at least you can mitigate some of the uh, <laughs> the more harmful effects uh, it, it's tough uh, just don't don't take anything on the box at face value <laughs> oh definitely not and uh you know we wonder why we're in a we're in a state of everybody's got diabetes in america like yeah. this is this is the reason because the show you know the sugar industry can just they just do what they want and yeah. we we've just allowed it because it tastes good so what are, what are you gonna do you know if God didn't want me to, to eat this, then it wouldn't taste good. <laughs> like it's as simple as that. Um, it's just like if people, you know, if people were meant to fly, we would all have wings. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, so that's my, you know, just one example of marketing is a bunch of poop and you, you know, you have to really think for yourself out there. And I would, I would think that most people listening, uh, you know, to the dreamers podcast, like to think for themselves, like to, and I, you know, go do the research. Like I'm not spewing a bunch of conspiracy, like uh, hoopla over here. This is like, go do the research. It's very, uh, it's all out there. And, and actually I, I misquoted, um, it, the, the, the amounts that I got for the sugar intakes were actually from the American, uh, heart association. I think actually the the World Health Organization is a lot lower. I think they've lowered theirs to like that 25 grams a day, which again, like one glass of orange juice could kill that for you. <laughs> one glass of something that you believe to be healthy for you will knock that, that sugar intake out of whack for the entire day. Um, 
And of course, everything changes. Everything's always subject to change. That's what research is all about. And, and, you know, doing the research and and all that. So go do the research. Think for yourself uh, that, you know, again, just one example. Uh, You know, I think, well, we're at 43 minutes, Matt. Um, I had two other topics. My, My voice is getting, getting pretty pretty shot already oh, you know, we, i think we've done it we could save it for next week i don't want to yeah try and you know rush through it. these two topics were, were from last week i pushed them to this week but that's okay it'll give me a jumping point for yeah. next week it's like cell phone minutes they just roll over every month and we just keep rolling i and i i got a whole like 70 a list of 70 items that i want to get to at some point when it comes to business and and you know uh living your life and and living your dreams and all that so uh, we'll, we'll get there for, for sure. But uh, I think I think the big thing this week is uh, get sleep on sleep cycles. You know, getting three hours is fine if you get it in a consecutive three hours or an hour and a half and an hour and a half. Um, I know I've been fine with that. Not everybody can be fine with that. And it, and that's not to say that I could do that for like days on end, right? Like I could do it for one, two, maybe three days. But by f- day four, like I'm I'm getting worn out. Uh, I know Matt. I know you. You don't get a lot of sleep most of the time. Not for lack of trying. Yeah, I just have a hard time. Well, for me, I have a hard time staying asleep, and that's something I've always kind of struggled with. I, as soon as I wake up, I have a real hard time getting back to sleep. And I, I try different things. And one of the things I found to be the most effective is like just a brief bout of exercise. You can just get out, do like a quick jog, and then usually it's enough to kind of just to at least for me to knock me back out to burn but, that the burn that energy that you have right just yeah. mysterious i just came out of nowhere like oh now i'm wide awake and it's only two o'clock in the morning so <laughs> got a ways to go yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i would uh yeah I, I you know i I've, I've done that too like you know waking up earlier um and then going and doing something right like going and getting a couple tests done and then not watching TV, not surfing oh, under it. Yeah, yeah. anything electronic that is the worst thing you could do. Yeah, it is. Well, actually, with the new the the new update iOS nine point three, they've included a nighttime mode um, for your phone where it actually takes the blue colors out of the phone, like it changes the the um, the temperature of the colors on the phone, so that you can. Um, look at your phone, you know, because you're not supposed to look at blue light like an hour or two hours before you go to bed uh, from what I've read. And I've noticed the difference being able to stay, go back to sleep after using my phone, using their nighttime mode. So if you just swipe up from the bottom, uh, I think it's the middle icon on the bottom and you actually set it to, um, to a schedule. So mine starts at like 10 a 10 PM and goes till I think like seven in the morning or six. Now it, it, it definitely looks different, it, you know, and you can actually change, I think the temperature as well. If uh, the, it's almost like a red hue that you get. Um, if that bothers you, you can change it a little bit, but, uh, but so far for me, I've loved it. You know, I, I, I think it's great. Uh, I've been able to look at my, you know, wake up, check a couple emails and then fall right back to sleep without like feeling like my eyes are getting burned in or anything like that. Even, even with the, the, um, the brightness set all the way down at night. Like I would still feel that way. It's, it's even at, even at night, like with the brightness all the way down, it still feels bright in a dark, in a totally dark room. Unless you're trying to watch a video or something where it's like, you want to see the colors and all that. Um, 
but yeah so i would definitely check that out if you have an iphone if not i'm sure i know there's an android um, app equivalent uh that can run in the background and do it for you i i don't know what that's what it is you know what's the name of it or anything like that but uh it's it's definitely out there so uh yeah so I, let's let's just uh, let's wrap up like so we got i got plenty of things to plug right so i'm, I'm speaking in free old new jersey at kitty preneur uh expo it's uh, kittypreneur.com. You can go get tickets there if you have a, a child who, who is doing entrepreneurial-like things or wants to learn more or pitch like they're on Shark Tank. Uh, that's that's this place to be. It's in Free Old New Jersey, and it's June uh, – I think it was June 10th to the 12th. Uh, on May 20th uh, is the live show. It's the two-year anniversary of Dreamers Podcast. We're, we're raising – I'm hoping to raise over a thousand dollars in three hours. We did six hundred in two last year uh, for Give Kids the World, great organization. GiveKidsTheWorld.org. Go check it out. Uh, and coming up in a little bit after the uh, after the jump is uh, uh, Paul. Uh, I'm going to say his name wrong. Uh, Quizano, Paul Quizano of the uh, Spiritual Voice Podcast. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun, Matt. It's been fun talking about how marketing sucks and how we need to be <laughs> inadvertently, we need to live a better life healthy and sleeping-wise. And, uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll talk to you next week, Matt. Absolutely. Awesome. And Ava's still sleeping, so we made it through uh, this whole episode with her sleeping right through it. Rock on. I'm glad that, yeah, she's <laughs> a sleep on, girl uh just sleep tonight that's that's what I, I, I that's all i could ask all right i guess uh we'll see you guys next week stay tuned for the interview with paul cuisino joe i have a challenge for you what what's that matt i want you to give me a way to support the dreamers podcast that's not only easy but it's not going to cost me any money buy stuff on amazon really Yes, go to superjoepardo.com forward slash Amazon. Update your bookmark for Amazon to that link, superjoepardo.com forward slash, forward slash Amazon. Every time you make a purchase, I get money. Joe, in the time it took you to describe that, I've already done it, and I'm a slow typer. You know what? Why don't you go buy some uh, Mavis Typing Tutor on Amazon using the superjoepardo.com forward slash Amazon and help contribute to Dreamers Podcast. It'll be here in two days. Thanks, Amazon Prime. Hey, Dreamers. Today, I'm talking with Paul Cuisineau. I got it right, right? Cuisineau. Cuisineau. No, no. Cuisineau. Cuisineau. So, say cu. Cu. Z. Z. No. No. Cu. Z. No. That's it. Cuisineau. I'll get my French right one of these days. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Paul's making his dreams come true by co-creating a global spiritual community with people of for from all walks of life welcome to the show paul hey joe i'm really happy to be here with you and thank you for hosting me of course of course uh i was uh a while a little while back i was a guest on the spiritual voice which is your show yeah, and it was a really fun adventure with you. And I mean, we were talking about minimalism as well as, you know, cleaning things up and as well as what it means to be creating our dreams. And I think it was a really fascinating conversation. And I thank you for that. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm, I'm glad to have been a, a guest on your show and glad to have you here because clearly you are a dreamer who is making things happen, not just dreaming about them. 
Well, I would say that that's true, but I have been literally connecting with my dreams. And a lot of what's been happening now, I actually have dreams about it, you know, the night before, or I have a few dreams during the week. And then I really tap into that when I'm awake and I feel, well, what does that mean for me? What is the guidance from that? And now I put it into action, right? So that it doesn't just kind of like stay something that happens when I'm sleeping. <laughs> well, as I'm, I as I've noticed um, since starting this journey, I uh, I don't dream at, at night as much as I used to. As much as I do, say while I'm awake, um, a lot of what I what I find is is now it's like I what what used to be dreams at night is now things that I'm thinking about during the day instead, which is kind of sad uh, a little bit because because I, I I miss I kind of miss having regular dreams. Well, I was going to say it depends to, you know, what you're thinking about during the day and what happens, I feel like, before you actually go to bed. And for me, if I'm I'm able to clear a little bit of that mind space and I just kind of like focus a little bit on my my breathing, then that allows kind of like to hit a reset button and then have something fresh show up at night. And I think that's one of the things while sometimes we don't really take that pause and then it just it's just a continuation of what's been happening throughout our day i you know i i'd agree i i'm a big proponent of hitting the reset button you know you don't necessarily have to take a nap but just laying down and, and getting your mind to clear your mind for you know five ten minutes even you know if you close your eyes if you don't close your eyes it doesn't really matter um getting horizontal to me is just awesome like to to just hit the reset button and, and get it going again yeah, totally. And I mean, again, the reset button changes like different ways, right? For me, sometimes it's just like, hey, just laughing during the day and then allowing myself to like really go into that and that deep laughter. And then, hey, reset button just happened, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Paul, I would love for you to start out by giving some background about yourself. So the background, and it's a, it's a pretty epic story, so I'll try to like condense it without leaving some of the really cool and interesting pieces of it. So I started off studying in accounting, and then I worked as an auditor for a big firm, and then I went into working for a big corp satellite company and really like looking to make my dream happen of making lots of money, becoming an executive, and having power and influence. And really what I found out is that that wasn't really my dream at all. <laughs> you know, it was part of the conditioning that I was getting, you know, from growing up, from my environment, and also from probably coming from a family that didn't have that much money. And the message was, this is what you need to do if you want to be happy and if you don't want to starve on the streets and be a bum. And uh, and as I was working towards that, I realized that I was really not happy. And from 2010 to 2012, I became very depressed, but I was hiding it from everyone because it was going to impact my success. So I was doing what I call it, wearing a mask. And it got so close to me that I didn't even realize that I was wearing that mask. I was like playing out a character all the time in social environment. And I mean, I had a breakup of an eight year relationship just like a few months before we got married. And that's kind of like what true, what threw me down, you know, the, uh, I guess what, what put the dream in the drain really. And then I, I started developing paranoia, agoraphobia, and I was having really dark thoughts. 
and I started studying about different plant medicines and shamanism in South America. And then one day I had decided that I wanted to change my life. And the only pattern that I knew how was, again, power influence. So I decided to apply for law school. So I don't know if, uh, you know, people can relate with that, but it's kind of like you're trying to get out of something, but you can only think like a one-track mind kind of aspect. Does that make any sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, so so basically more success to, yeah. to fix the, the problem of success. <laughs> exactly. So then I got my acceptance letter to go at McGill for law school, and then I just started puking my guts out. And I was like, wait, this is not right. Like, this should be good. And I don't think this will actually lead me where I'm trying to go. So on that day, I basically booked a trip to go in the Amazon rainforest in Peru and work with some of the shamans that were there. And the next day, I, uh, I resigned from my job and I made it effective. I, like, I think it was like two months later when the trip would be happening. And then I ended up staying in Peru for about four months. And I literally entered a dream state as I was working with the different plant medicines there. Came back and then I was discombobulated. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't relate to what I was doing before. It took me about six months to to reintegrate and I was lucky because I, I had a new girlfriend just before going to Peru. And uh, when I came back, I said, I need to move in your place because I don't know what to do right now and I'm freaking out. So, uh, so she was, you know, she accepted me in her place, which was fantastic. And after that, it took me six, seven months, got a job in finance for a not-for-profit. And then that led me to last year. So that's, let's say June, 2015. And in June, I decided that I was going to be leaving my job and I was going to be doing something else. I had been doing some training on the side in terms of uh, sound shamanism, how to use different altars, as well as using breath as a therapy, meditation, yoga, coaching. So I was studying all these things, recreating a new life, or at least giving me the tools that I would need. And then when I got a promotion at work, I decided to resign because I knew there that I was at a fork in the crossroads and they would have wanted more out of me. And that's not the direction that I wanted to take. And then when I told my boss, she said, Paul, what are you going to do? I don't know. It's like, well, why don't you stay until you figure it out? And I said, no, because if I stay, I'm not going to figure it out. So I left that and that led to the creation of Sound of Prana which was all about uh, healing, meditation, using sound and, and breathing. And then I started helping entrepreneurs create a business that would be aligned with their highest purpose. Ended up creating this crazy mastermind, which is actually ongoing right now, where we're creating a dream project over 12 months together. But on top of working with the business aspects, we go in the Amazon rainforest, we go in the desert to do a vision quest. We had a dream building retreat working with some of the native ceremonies from North America. And just recently, as I was referring to my dreams earlier, in January of 2016, I had these epic dreams for a week and it was clear that I should be dropping the business consulting aspect to focus solely on creating this global spiritual community that is inclusive of everyone. So then I got direct guidance about the podcast that I'm hosting, The Spiritual Voice, how to create a community that people can grow, can flourish through that. And now a few days ago, 
how to create like a live retreat around it. And then I've obviously been working with different coaches and mentors to build a business model around that. So that it's not just kind of airy fairy dreams. So that's kind of it in the, in a nutshell. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so you gave me a lot to, uh, to work with there. And I think, well, probably the, the most interesting thing is, is like, how did you go about giving yourself permission to like make that, that, that leap to uh to like okay i'm gonna go to peru like like tomorrow like not tomorrow but tomorrow (laughs) yeah so from how i see it now looking back i believe that i was borderline suicidal and i realized that if i wasn't gonna take a strong drastic action and change the course of my life now things would not be going very well for me and even as I'm seeing this, it's kind of like a little bit emotional because I'm stepping back into that period of my life. And I have always been someone that was fearful. I mean, I was bullied in elementary school, in high school, like almost every week I would get attacked physically. And that created deep fear, which probably led to that agoraphobia and paranoia. And because fear was so important, when I had that realization and I was throwing up when I got accepted in law school, I knew that if I didn't take an extreme action right now and really force myself to go, which meant you know paying for the trip, buying a ticket, and announcing my resignation, I would probably be too afraid to do it. So I just set everything in motion so I had no option to turn back and face my fears. And then when I landed in Peru, I was like totally freaking out. Third world country, I was like shaking. It was dark and I didn't recognize anything. And I was like, it it was the most insane experience ever. But I was there. I had no choice. Well, sometimes, yeah, you had to burn the boats or or something like to that effect. So I'm glad you were able to make that that decision before you got to the point of um, you know, doing something you, you really didn't want to do or, or need, you know, should be doing. So, <laughs> so I'm very glad to hear that. And, uh, the bullying thing, yeah, bullying has a, does have a, a very profound effect on people. Um, you know, I, growing up, I, I was bullied quite a bit my, myself. So, uh, I can, I can definitely identify with the, the issues that, that happened from then. And then the issues that, that grow and stem from that, um, and being able to overcome those issues to, to, to be who I am today is like, it, it's not an easy road. And it's, it's, it, it's very apparent to me why that, that, um, course of action isn't for everyone. Yeah. And when you're on the topic of bullying, for me, I found that it did two different effects for me. So the first one is obviously the fears and the paranoia. But the second one is it was giving me a skewed perspective of relationships. And when I would engage with people, I would always be thinking, what can I extract from them? Like I wasn't thinking in a state where, hey, this can be like great for both of us. I was always thinking, well, what can I get out of this person? And then that led me to that deep internal isolation And even now, I mean, now that's probably why I have this vision of this inclusive community, right? But it's also still a learning path as I'm engaging with people, you know, now it's it's much easier, but still I can feel like those remnants or sometimes like those different thoughts show up. And then it's also accepting that, wait, that's an old story that I used to carry. And that's actually not how I'm living today. 
Yeah, well, carrying carrying those, uh, you know, the weight of it is is always difficult um, to bear. And uh, like I said, not not everybody gets the, the the luxury of getting out of and out from under it. So I'm very glad that you uh, you did and and found your path to uh, to something that, that not only just makes you happy but has a business plan around it, so you can actually survive off of it versus uh, not surviving. Uh, the way you should be able to off of a business or a, um, I guess like a, a path in which you, you're passionate about and, and love. Yeah. And I think, you know, while also like we mentioned creating our dreams, if you're just surviving and it's a struggle, I call that a nightmare, not a dream, you know? <laughs> so uh, so that, that's why I feel like it's important to have a business model uh, in it that allows you to sustain yourself because otherwise, too, I think you don't have that reciprocity. And then those those feelings of struggling and whatnot will almost like contaminate your dream. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but that's what I'm thinking. You know, have a big glass of water and then you're like slowly putting ink in it, you know, which is that that tension for survival. And then that would guide our dream, maybe not in the right way. But the other piece for me is it was actually a struggle to build a business model around it because of my framework from before, just wanting to go for the money. And now I'm like, wait, are you doing the same pattern, Paul? Are you just like lying to yourself? And this is like another disguised way of accessing that. And what I've been doing is working with one of my spiritual mentor, Jeremy Yaust, is no. That's actually not my intention. It's always remembering, well, what do I want to do with these resources? And really, it's injecting that as fuel into the community as well as, you know, creating that ideal lifestyle for myself and for everyone else that is engaging in that project. But I constantly have to ask myself, well, what is my intention with this? And what do I actually want to be doing with this fuel that, you know, I'm grateful that people believe in and, you know, are wanting to put into this project. Uh, I love it. Absolutely love it. And, uh, it, you know, sometimes it is tough to, uh, you know, we do get blinded by the money and the, the, the success and it, it, it's, it's a very slippery slope to, uh, to, to climb. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it's good that you're able to keep, you know, having that like reality check of, okay, why am I doing this? Why am I here? What are we, what are we doing? And how can I, um, not fall down to that, to, to the, I don't want to say low hanging fruit, but it, you know, it, it's very similar in, in, in the, in the fact that it can be, uh, you know, it's like, Oh, the money's right there. I could just grab it. And, and I could, I, you know, the opportunity is right there and I could just grab it. But the the problem is if you grab it, it it's uh it might only just be beneficial for you and in the in, in the short term but in the long term it it's not beneficial because people uh, respond to that kind of stuff if they feel like it's it's all one sided. Yeah, and I think you said it right now. If it's one sided, so as I've been learning some of the different traditional indigenous paths and some of the different teachings from shamanism it's all about reciprocity you know and having that exchange that play of energy and knowing that 
you know, there's always like checks and balances. So if you go from that approach of just kind of like taking, 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 well, on the other side, in one other aspect of your life, you're going to be paying in a different way. And for me in the past, well, that was social isolation, although I had friends, you know, because that that's kind of like what I was cultivating, that extraction mindset. And it was like, okay, now everyone are looking out to extract out of me. And then it's like, hey, we're just hanging out, drinking a beer, whatever. But really at the back of my mind is like, okay, like, did they actually like pay for their fair share of like the beers and he got like five and I only got four and we paid half and half. How is this going on? So you can understand how it was just like contaminating and polluting all my relationships. Oh yeah, definitely. I I could see that uh, eating away at, at you if you, if you don't know how to uh, cope with it, you know, head on at the time. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I, I was just going to say that, And then I think this is where then when you're in business, you know, it's always thinking, well, take a moment and pause and evaluate your different relationships, you know, with depending if you have employees or not, with your employees, with your contractors, with your partners, with your supporters, your clients, and even like more than one degree of separation. You know, if people are consuming your products and services, then the people that these people interact with, how is that impacting them? How is that impacting your community? And just starting to really like open up and giving yourself the space to consider what are the, um, I guess, the, the global impact of that is key for you to be successful. Because everyone really, I believe, deep down, we're looking at creating a world that is like marvelous and that we're going to be happy and we want to live in. So when people see that that's what you're creating, no matter how that shape is, like how it looks, then they're going to want to support you if it makes sense, right? But if they see that, no, you're actually not working for our collective benefit, then I also believe that people will kind of like feel into that and they're not necessarily going to want to support you, your brand or whatever you're putting out there. Yeah, definitely. Well, the people, people, uh, you know, they want to be a part of the why they want to know the why they want to, um, you know, a lot of times, a lot of companies now, because, because of the change in, in, in the way technology works and, and how everybody, uh, can basically start a business up overnight. Um, you know, they, the why is like more important than ever because people feel a connection to that. And if they don't feel that connection with you or, or what you're trying to accomplish, then it's just not going to happen. Um, you know, you're going to have a lot harder of a time making it it work. Yeah. And I'm going to go the extra mile here saying, why do you want to go in the why? Because again, I've been talking with some people and especially when I was doing a bit more, you know, creating a business that's aligned with your purpose, then they're like, oh yeah, I got to figure out the why so that people start buying my stuff. And then I'm like, well, is that really why you want to figure out the why? (laughs) <laughs> no that that's a good extra mile there i i i uh well yeah i guess because because the why is is such a trendy thing for people to be like oh you gotta have your why but but a lot of times as as we find um the why kind of writes itself you you need to go and find it like within what you've already have done right like you've already like you came up with this idea for a reason right so what you know you got you can figure out what the why is based around that you don't have to like invent the why 
Yes, yes. And then they're like, well, is that a good why? Well, I'm like, I don't know. Is it? You know, like you, <laughs> like you, should, like you should be able to go inside and find that answer. Not saying that it's easy. Then there's definitely different ways that you can go about finding that out. But it's not really something that should be like externally validated, you know, like there shouldn't be like a 10 step checklist to know if your why is a good why. <laughs> well, Hey, for some people that they might, they might need that for validation. And if that's the case, then you need, uh, maybe you, you need to figure out more validation about yourself. Right. Which now I feel like you're bringing the component of self-confidence Definitely. Well, loving your, you know, loving yourself and and all that is uh, definitely part of part of knowing what your why is. Yeah, and and I, actually that really resonates with me because again, I was doubting my why at several moments. Right? Am I actually only doing this to have a successful business and then have money and back to that power? Am I actually deceiving myself and going back to that old operating mode? Or is this really, you know, is this really different? And I do want to be building this community. I do want to actually live each day, you know, being more happy, smiling more. And am I really looking at building those relationships that I feel are mutually beneficial? Or am I still going at it from the angle of like that, again, using that extraction mentality? And, and I, I had a lot of, although I looked very confident, I had a lot of self-doubt on my motivation. Well, I think part of that would be, um, you know, would play into, would you be doing what you're doing now if you knew that you weren't going, like if it was just going to be a hobby for you, like aside from say working at a bank or something, you know, or in banking or, or something where you were already successful making the money, would you go out of your way to make something like this happen if you knew that it couldn't be as big as you might want it to be um, because you're not, you don't have the time to invest to make it that as, you know, as big. Like if you were just going to have people come out to um, your, your live events um, locally, right? Like just, just on a pure local level, like to connect with other spiritual people in the, in your community, would you, would you still do that? Totally. And I actually have an example of that. So on one of my birthdays, and I believe that was two years ago now, I had a dream, I don't know, a few weeks before that, and it was about cacao. So the uh, the teobroma, the plant with uh, from where chocolate comes from. And in the dream, it was telling me, hey, Paul, you need to be hosting this ceremony with chocolate, bring community together, and it's time that you step into your power. So I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. So what I did is instead of doing kind of like a traditional birthday or at least how I used to see it and like let's just get smashed and party and whatever, I threw an invitation to all these people in my community that had played a role from one level of importance to another. So some of them I you know barely knew, but they were part of what I considered my community. And then I said, I'm going to be hosting a ceremony working with cacao for my birthday. And this would really mean a lot to me. And this is kind of like what I have in mind. And I had probably 40 or 45 people to that. And I mean, I was bringing in like 100% chocolate for it. I brought like everything that we needed for the ceremony. 
And I just offered that freely to everyone there, although I didn't really have any financial means. You know, I, I had enough to do it, but I was by no stretch, you know, wealthy. And, uh, and then I started off by explaining to them that I had a dream. And I mean, I think I was like crying at one point. I'm like, this is a turning point for me. And this is what I want to be doing for my birthday. And I'm extremely happy to have all of you here. And then it led it up to be like a four or five hour long ceremony. And I felt like I was just like in the flow guiding and I was working with different instruments uh, going on and, um, and working with people one-on-one -on -one. Uh, throughout the room, I have like a didgeridoo. I've got different like Himalayan bowls, tuning forks, and I had like these different clearing stuff that was happening. And then people would band together. They would cry. They would laugh during the ceremony. It was amazing. And then at the end of the night, I was like, wow, this is it, you know, and there was no money in it for it. Well, then there, <laughs> there you go, man. You got it. And, uh, I, I, I love that. And, uh, you know, wish I could have been there for it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> that's, um, that, that sounds like a really awesome time for, for people to come together and, and do something that, um, maybe all of them weren't, you know, used to doing. Yes. Because for most of them, this was a totally new experience. And I do believe that chocolate is like what I call a master teacher. So by consuming it, you actually, access a deeper form of intelligence and it doesn't matter you know if you take a very like woo spiritual aspect i like to keep it scientific and accessible so when you take a high dose of 100 percent chocolate ideally without any sugar in it and uh, let's say between 70 and 130 grams you and especially if you fasted it will double the amount of oxygen that is processed by the cells of your skin and that increases your sensitivity and it also increases your blood flow and all of your different systems in your biology. So that tends to make you more emotional and it also increases the oxygen in your brain by about 30%. So it makes your cognitive ability refined. So now you are opening up to that emotional state. You're able to think more clearly and you've got a community setting where, you know, the intention is set up, love, uh, safety, openness, acceptance. And then I'm using the different instruments and breathing techniques so that that creates slightly altered forms of perception and states. So then you're really tapping into your inner realm if you're purely from a, a scientific point of view. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, that sounds a lot like drugs. Um <laughs> But... It, it, I would say that it does, but it's it's chocolate, right? And everything is a drug. Like coffee is a drug. I mean, I'm sure that if you ate, let's say, like 10 avocados a day and that's the only thing you would eat, it would probably alter the way that you're acting and you're moving around throughout your day. Uh, I, would Im I would imagine so. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, I'm curious as to um, how does your family take all the shift from, you know, wanting to, to – you know, be a, um, a force in business and a force in, in, uh, being, I guess, successful in your career to, to like, okay, I'm going to move in the spiritual direction now. I guess it depends on which family member. So my brother, I feel is my biggest supporter. And I mean, 
he's always got my back. He believes in what I'm doing. You know, we have these meaningful discussions. And to be honest, this is taking a lot of my time. And even now I'm out of town. He's taking care of my cat. He's taking care of, you know, my like my living quarters back home. And he's helping me with a lot of, let's say, like the everyday kind of stuff that I'm not really focusing on right now, but also is very like supportive emotionally and is participating in what I'm throwing out there. Now for my mom, that I felt was a little bit of a different story, but you have to understand that when this adventure started, I called her and I said, hey mom, I've got like a really good news and I've got a weird news. Okay, what is it, Paul? Good news is I just got accepted in law school at McGill. She's like, yeah, Paul, woohoo, you know, great. And then I said, but the weird news is I'm not going to do that. I'm quitting my job. I'm leaving everything behind. I'm creating a massive line of credit to pay for all of this and pay for all my financial obligations while I'm gone. And I'm going in the Amazon rainforest to learn if there's something else to life from indigenous shamans. <laughs> <laughs> So then she's like, you know, freaking out a little bit, asking me, you know, is this really right and whatnot? And then in the end, she's like, well, if I don't fully understand it, but I kind of get it. And if this is what you need, then do it. But I found when I came back, it took probably over a year, maybe closer to two years for her to like really start opening up. And even now like we don't talk about all the fine details, but she's told me several times that she truly believes that I'm doing something great for the world and she's happy and she's proud of me. And she's actually attended one of the, uh, the sound meditations and ceremonies that I hosted. And then my dad on his side, he's really, really proud. And he's saying, wow, I'm really glad that you got this lesson, Paul. Cause for me, it took me like 50 years of my life until I, I understood what you're understanding now and yeah, go for your dreams. Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm glad that for, you know, for the most part they were supportive. I mean, cautious is one thing, right? They, nobody wants to see their, their kid be suffering or, um, you know, creating a massive amount of debt that they're just like throwing it all away for. Mm -hmm. So I, I, it's understandable on both sides of it. Um, Paul, what's been the biggest roadblock for you to overcome? Fear, definitely fear and thinking that I might not be able to make it. So what that's how that played out is it would influence my decisions as I'm, I was moving forward, especially with what I did with Sound of Prana. When I moved with helping people create a business that was in alignment with their purpose, looking back, that was out of fear. And I thought, you know what? I'm never going to make it if I focus on spirituality solely and I have to leverage my skills as a CPA, as an accountant and in business. And this is going to make it kind of like uh, people are going to want to work with me. And then now that's why I actually, you know, overcame those fears and I had assistance from, you know, my dreams and people that were believing in me. And I really did like that inner looking really inside what I wanted. And then I said, no, this angle is coming out of a place of fear. And in everything that I'm doing, when I go into deep dive business strategy and making those like tactical plans and whatnot, this is where I'm not happy. So I, uh, I decided to go past that. And even now I was like, okay, I'm going to be doing uh, you know, a global community with the spiritual voice. And when I was talking with one of my mentors, 
he was basically saying, well, Paul, I love everything you're doing. And to be able to, you know, engage in community online at a very deep and meaningful level, being able to do the, like practicing meditations, being able to practice even like life detox, like there's art, all of these things and creating like groups and all of these pockets where everyone can freely express themselves. I love all of that. But I feel like there's a piece missing. You're never going to be able to build that connection that you seem to be wanting unless you make a physical event for your community to gather and really connect at that deep core human level. And I said, you're right. And then I realized that again, it was fear that was kind of like trying to divert me from not creating that physical space, that retreat where I would be inviting all of the members. And it was like, well, it's too much for me. It's it's not going to work. Uh, it doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, you've there was all these different reasons why the physical space was not a good idea. But really, you know, if I if I and now this is actually a realization I'm having right now live is I'm seeing that I was afraid of and I am afraid actually of that real human authentic connection that I'm craving for. So there's almost like that dynamic. And if I host this event, then I'm going to be immersed in this uh, reality that I want, but that also is is still foreign to me. And, and I'm terrified of it at the same time of wanting it. Well, you know, you got to take steps towards it. It doesn't, you know, it might not be the huge thing. Like, you know, you might not, get two three four five hundred people all at once but you know if you if, if you get it you know 10 people to to come out fly out to be with you to 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 take part in your event i mean that's that's a huge success um to tank because then the next time you can go to 20 30 40 50 people and then from 50 up to 100 and you know you make those steps so it doesn't you know, sometimes i, I think we we try to bite off more in our minds and our in our dreams than we we really probably are capable of, of chewing all at once. Um, but as you make those steps, you get better at, at understanding yourself, understanding uh, the situation that you're putting yourself in, the amount of work that's going to go into making it bigger and better. Um, and we take our experiences with us through the whole thing. So even now, like with the experiences that you've already had, like having 40 people at a party, you know, for your birthday, it, it, you know, that, I mean, why not, you know, shoot for more than a little more than that, just to just to, I don't know, to make yourself uh, believe you got to be able, you know, you got to be able to believe in yourself because no one else is going to believe in yourself as much as you need to. Yeah, and I agree with you on that. And that's why like the belief in myself and in what I'm creating and knowing what I really want helps me overcome that fear. But what I'm talking about is beyond like the logistics or well, people show up. It's actually the success and it actually happening like that. Again, that real heart to heart connection and a very intimate example is with my current relationship with my girlfriend. You know, I love her so much. But for me in my life, expressing love and showing that and especially in a romantic context, there's a lot of like history and blocks around that, you know, and it's like, I really love you. And at the same time, I'm terrified of this, you know, I'm terrified of opening myself up to you. But what's great is that, you know, we can engage in that and I can actually tell her, 
you know, like I love you, but at the same time, I'm fearing now this, I, I feel this terror as I'm opening up, you know, to this new chapter of my life and to us. And taking an aspect of that is really the fear that's coming out. So it could be like one person comes and creating that deep bond and it's like, Ooh, okay, like things just got a little bit more real, Paul, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, especially, uh, you know, experiencing uh, a long, you know, long-term uh, relationship breakup and all that and, and having to um, not just trust the, the person you're with, but trust yourself that, you know, whatever caused the, the prior one to, to end isn't going to necessarily rear its ugly little head this time. Uh, regardless of who you know who who it was or what fear brought any any of it apart, you know what I mean. Like, it, we don't always know the whole story, um, so we 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 can't always just like let ourselves jump to those conclusions of, well, this is what caused this, and now I'm fearful because I'm afraid that it could happen. And maybe in reality, it had very little to do with um, getting you to where you are now. Exactly. And that's why I feel having awareness around all of that is has been key for me. And I think that's something that can help a lot of people. It's like once you understand at least where it's coming from or the story, then I'm like, yeah, that was that was that other relationship, you know, and obviously I'm I'm feeling some of that fear, but I know it has nothing to do with the current circumstances. So now I feel like I'm equipped to almost embrace that fear you know it's like i'm feeling it but i'm not gonna let it stop me right yeah and you and you shouldn't um because this is life and it happens and it's gonna happen like regardless of if you uh are, are playing the game or not it's it's gonna continue to happen so you, you should at least try to play because you never know you, you could win Right. And I think even if you don't think you're playing, you're always playing. It's just maybe you're not playing your best hand. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. Uh, Paul, what was your childhood dream growing up? Wow, that is a really good question. For a long while, I wanted to be in gaming and making different types of video games, graphic designing, all of those different aspects. I was I was really fascinated with that world. So that was really one of my big dreams. Uh, and now, strangely, the other one was just to have like this gigantic like empire and have like dominion over the world somehow. <laughs> 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 but I but I think the gaming one is the one that you know was more deeply rooted in my core. And even now, as I'm looking at things, I'm like, well, I am actually playing a game right now, you know, and, and I, I reframed it and I'm like, yeah, this is just a much a game that is much more real. But uh, I am actually living living that dream, you know, and I'm I'm creating it. I'm putting forward different like infrastructures. And I mean, I was playing those games like SimCity and Civilization and managing airline companies and, and all of that. And I think that's where like that that desire to create a space where people could create the reality was so fascinating. And that's what was pulling me into it. Well, I gotta say, SimCity changed my life, so uh, it's <laughs> it's quite understandable. <laughs> yeah, SimCity rocks. <laughs> yes, it, it does, and uh, I mean I mean that when when I say it, it really 
uh, changed my life and changed, you know, my interest in, in the way, figuring out the way, why things are built the way they are and how to about, you know, the best way to go about building them and stuff like that. Like it really played a big impact in, in my, in my life. So I can, uh, I can, uh, sympathize with that. <laughs> well, actually too, it's, it's kind of funny because I used to play a game with my brother where we would imagine we were at these like video game rental and then we would pick a console and there's like, there's nothing, right? It's just like, we're watching like black space. And, uh, and it was like, before we would go to bed, actually we would do that. And then we would play the game and we would play like multiplayer, you know, so we're both in it. And then we would be telling each other what we're doing and we would like respond in perfect synchronicity. And I'm still <laughs> amazed at how we were able to do that. And we could play like, like an hour long, game of this thing that was not visible in like perfect cooperation (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome so paul tell me about what your dreams for the future look like yeah gladly so that really my dream is to have this global spiritual community really take a life of its own. I see that as a a really co-creative process. I have a lot of ideas that I'm putting forward in having people being engaged in it so that everyone can understand that they all have gifts. We're all like teacher and student at the same time. And that gathering, I mean, I'm going to be having one of the gatherings in the next year for all of the um, the membership base and it's going to be totally accessible. Uh, So I see that one as like the, the first one, but the first one. You know, I want to make a lot more uh, interaction virtually and in person and allowing as well people to have that safe environment where they can grow, they can nurture their gifts, they can believe in themselves, they can share about their beliefs and not really being afraid of being judged for it, as well as having all these different awesome tools to play around with. And then if I fast forward even more, I'm going to be traveling to work with a lot of shamans from different traditions. I'm fascinated by that. I mean, in May now of 2016, I'm going to be meeting some of the spiritual people in the Andes. And it's my my girlfriend has been working with them for the past seven years. And I'm totally excited at that. In 2017, I want to go to Nepal and I want to start learning how to work deeply with incense to create these almost like portals and trance-like state. I've been studying shamanism from Nepal and it seems like it's at the root of uh, Buddhism, yoga, all of those traditions. And then I want to visit the people from Australia where there's some tribes that play with the didgeridoo. And it's almost like working with dreams, storytelling through that, entering those different states and really deepening my exploration of consciousness. Well, that sounds awesome, man. I, I love that you're trying to live the life that you, you want to live now. And uh, really happy for you. I hope that uh, everything pans out the way you're looking for it to. Yeah, and I think regardless of how that plays out, now I see life as much more of an adventure. So I'm really going for the ride. I mean, now it's because you asked me, well, hey, you know, what would it be? In, in, in it's kind of like it's a projection exercise, right? I, I would totally love that. But then, you know, the flip side of that is just since I left my job, my life has been so amazing and rich and every moment is precious to me. And I feel so much more alive now. So even if it doesn't like pan out the way that I want, 
I still know that it's going to be like one awesome ride, you know, just kind of like this crazy roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And that's generally what happens when you uh, decide, you know, to pick your dreams over what you think or what people thought or you thought was what you should be doing. Yeah. And I mean, like, if I look back, the cubicle, oh, I didn't like the cubicle, you know, it was like so constricting. Uh, in a way and I was like oh yeah but Paul like this is allowing you to do like all these different things but I'm like yeah but I'm giving most of my day which is essentially most of my life to do what I like well why don't I just find something that I really love that I'm passionate about that also helps me do other things that I'm passionate about like shouldn't that be the way and again I, I like to analyze things and then it just became a logical decision as well yeah like if you're gonna if you're gonna live your life, might as well live it and pick things that you're deeply passionate about. And I don't think it's about making a lot of money. I mean, you could be well, I mean, I think you wanna have your basic needs met, right? But that's normally not that hard, you know, if, if you think about like your basic security. And then once you have gotten that, it's like, well, what will give you the most rich, fulfilling, happy, joyful life? And then just go for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you, yeah, you got to sometimes ask yourself those tough questions, though, you know, what what you really want and what kind of life you want to live and, and what you want to leave behind and what's really important to you. So you can't just um, wait around for somebody else to give you those answers because <laughs> those answers probably are not going to just come to you by accident without asking yourself first. Yeah, and if someone gives you those answers, well, that's their answers, right? That's not going to be your answers. So there's no really way out of it but for yourself to ask yourself those questions and then answer it. Because until you do it, how are you going to know? And if you don't know, how are you going to create it? And I mean, ultimately, you have everything to win. What we're talking about is your life, you know? And why not take a moment of reflection to consider, well, what would make it the best, most awesome life ever? <laughs> Paul, I would love for you to share any last thoughts you have before we share if people can connect with you. Right. So my last thought would be that I believe every single person, all of you that are listening, you, Joe, myself, everyone that's not even listening – we all have at least one dream that we carry inside of us. And I believe that this dream is like a seed that we can nurture and it is actually going to bring us the most happiness and meaningful life. And even if you don't know what that dream is, it's clear to me that you have that in yourself and that's part of your gifts. And I'm inviting you to consider what would it take for you to nurture that dream, nurture that seed so that you can actually be your full, most awesome expression of yourself and then go for it, you know, do that because this is, uh, this is what's going to be creating the world that we all want to live in. That's going to be not only inspiring for yourself, but as well for everyone else so that they can also nurture that, uh, let's call it a dream seed. And, uh, 
And then where people can reach me, I'm going to invite all of you to visit thespiritualvoice.com. And through there, you can find out about the podcast as well as the global spiritual community that I was talking that's inclusive from everyone from all walks of life and about different retreats, the events. You can find out, like, you can contact me through there. And you can also check out soundofprana.com. That's uh, the business that I was talking about a little bit earlier. And I'm also, you know, on Facebook as well under my name, Paul Cousineau, as well as Sound of Prana and the Spiritual Voice. Awesome. Well, I, I will have all that in the show notes. Uh, Paul, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today, and I would love to have you on again in the future. Oh, yeah, that was really fun. I appreciate it. I think, you know, you're a great person. I really enjoy what you're creating. And for me, you know, talking about dreams and dreamers is something that I'm very passionate about. So I'm really the one that's grateful for having had this opportunity. So thanks, Joe. Oh, of course. Anytime. And like I said, I'd love to have you on again in the future. You know, follow up and see how you've been. Totally. Well, thanks again, Paul. Yeah, thanks, Joe. And thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dreamers Podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to j at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.